Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. I'm Cody Goff, and it's just me today. No Ashley Hamer on this episode, but don't worry, she'll be back next time. As for today, you'll learn about how you can use anxiety to your advantage with help from neuroscientist Dr. Wendy Suzuki and why you can't drink grapefruit juice when you take certain medicines. Ready? Me too. Let's satisfy some curiosity. What if I told you that you can make your anxiety work for you? Well, uh, you can make your anxiety work for you. <laughs> and that's according to a world-renowned neuroscientist who just wrote a book about it. Dr. Wendy Suzuki is a professor of neuroscience and psychology in the Center for Neuroscience at New York University. And today she's going to share a couple tips to help you harness the power of what she says is a misunderstood emotion. But first, here's Dr. Suzuki on what she means by anxiety. So my simple definition of anxiety is that feeling of fear or worry, typically associated with an uncertain situation. So not surprising that in the times that we live today, there's high levels of anxiety. But the other key question is, what do I mean by good anxiety? Can anxiety be good? And the answer is yes, it can be good because at its heart, evolutionarily speaking, anxiety and that underlying physiological stress response is protective. It evolved to protect us from danger. It was actually critical and is critical for our survival. So it's not an emotion that was evolved to annoy us, uh, to be kicked out the door. We are complex humans and we, we are lucky to have such a wide array of emotions that are good for something. And the good of anxiety is warning bell, uh, protection, I'm going to guess that most people out there are saying, I'm not feeling that protected by my anxiety right now. And I get you. And it's because anxiety levels are just too high. Too much of a good thing, bad. Uh, and so we show you how to turn that anxiety level down and then take advantage of that activation energy and that protective and um, uh, critical aspect of this particular emotion for your life. All right. So it's not helpful when it's just alarm bells all the time. You got to bring it down first and then you can use it. Yes. Yes. Got it. Dr. Suzuki told us that there are a couple different types of anxiety. There's clinical anxiety and everyday anxiety. Clinical anxiety is an ongoing and debilitating issue like general anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, or obsessive compulsive disorder. And according to her, your best bet for treating something like that is with help from a medical professional. But for everyday anxiety, she has a couple tips she shared with us that she calls superpowers of anxiety. Number one is the gift or superpower of productivity. Now, how does that come from anxiety? All of us that have anxiety have this what if list that goes through our minds, right? What if I don't get the raise? What if I don't get the job? What if I get a bad review? All these things. For me, it, it hits me right before I'm going to go to sleep at night, right? I'm about to go to sleep and bing, all these what if comes on. So the idea is to use those what ifs and simply change them into to do's. Can you change your what if list into a to do list? And this turns out to be a high level executive jujitsu move that many executives are already using. I interviewed many people for this book and there's lots of uh, case studies there. And um, I remember I was 
talking to this lawyer and I happened to mention I'm writing a book on anxiety. She said, oh, well, I am the high paid lawyer that I am because of my anxiety. And she went on to tell me that she's been anxious all of her life. And for the cases, and she's focused on her work, she's very anxious about work. And she turns all those worries about what the other side is going to do for that case. And she turns them into to do's. And so she covers all the bases in that way. She uses her anxiety to cover all of the bases. And the other great thing about doing that is that anxiety evolved to be resolved, typically by running away or by fighting that fight or flight response. So by actually making a to-do list and doing it, checking it off, doing an action to create it, you help to resolve that kind of ancient emotion of anxiety by doing something to, to affect it. So one more, I, I'll, I'll end with my favorite, which is the super power of empathy. And so this comes from my longest standing personal anxiety, which is social anxiety. It was a very, very shy, awkward wallflower of a student uh, in high school, in early college, but I was also a nerd. And so I wanted to ask questions in class, but of course I was afraid to do it because you're afraid in social anxiety. You want to be wrong in front of lots of different people. And I realized as I was writing this book that that personal anxiety, I know what that feels like. I lived it for years and years and years. That became my super power of empathy because I'm at the front of the classroom now and I realize unconsciously I always try to not just answer the people that are raising their hands but come early stay late talk to those people that were more comfortable talking to me and just a small group of people not in front of the whole class that is my superpower of empathy it comes from my my personal anxiety but i challenge everybody listening to find their most common form of anxiety you know what it feels like you know what it looks like turn that to the outside and give a friendly word when you recognize it in somebody else and i love this one because i can't think of anything else that we need more these days than more empathy for each other i mean can you think of anything we need more these days than empathy for each other? Yeah, me neither. Now, I know when you hear the phrase, have more empathy, you might think, okay, that's just a platitude, right? Like a motivational poster or something. Well, no. In Dr. Suzuki's new book, she talks about actual neuroscience studies that back up all the concepts that she talks about. The stuff like research that's used brain scans to help us understand the biology of social intelligence. There's definitely a lot more than we had time to get into today. So if you want to learn more, then pick up the new book, Good Anxiety, Harnessing the Power of the Most Misunderstood Emotion. And as always, you can find a link to that in today's show notes. When you pick up a prescription at your pharmacy, your pharmacist will go through all the things they think you should know about the drug. And most of these tips are obvious. Stuff like when you should take it, how much of it you should take. But sometimes they tell you whether or not you can drink grapefruit juice with it. And that seems weird, but this tip is for a good reason. Lots of common medications carry this warning, like statins for cholesterol, some antihistamines, anti-anxiety drugs, and blood pressure medications. The reason comes down to a bit of human physiology. When you take a drug... It's absorbed into your bloodstream and carried throughout your body. You need a certain amount of that drug in your system for it to be effective, which is why you're told how much to take and when. 
Repeated doses are necessary because your body is constantly trying to break the drug down and clean it out of your system. A lot of this breakdown happens specifically in your small intestine during digestion. As a result, a sizable amount of the drugs you take don't even make it as far as your bloodstream. Pharmacologists know about this, and they adjust dosages to compensate so you get the proper amount in your bloodstream in the end. One of the enzymes your small intestine uses to break down drugs is called cytochrome P450-3A4, or CYP-3A4. It's a kind of metabolic Swiss army knife that's found in the lining of your small intestine, and it's involved in disarming roughly half of the drugs you'll find at the pharmacy. What it doesn't help break down goes into your bloodstream. That brings us back to the grapefruit juice. See, grapefruit contains a class of chemicals called furanocoumarins, and these are the kryptonite to CYP3A4's Superman. The enzyme can break these chemicals down, but the byproducts generated in the process end up sticking to the enzyme and rendering it inactive. The result is that your doctor prescribes a drug at a certain dosage with the assumption that CYP3A4 is going to catch a lot of it before it's distributed to the rest of your body. If fuanicumarins have disabled the enzyme, then you get way more of the drug than you're supposed to, which can cause side effects or even organ damage, depending on the drug. So, avoiding grapefruit juice when you're taking your meds might sound like weird advice, but it is given to you for a pretty good reason. Before I recap what we learned today, I just want to share a quick programming note that you're going to hear a handful of Cody-only Curiosity Daily episodes over the next month or so. But for the most part, you're going to hear both Ashley and me on this podcast. Production schedules just got real weird this month. And I'm working super hard to make them sound as good as possible, so please be kind. In the meantime, I'll try not to be too anxious about it. And hey, speaking of anxiety, let's recap what we learned today, starting with the fact that anxiety is that feeling of fear or worry typically associated with an uncertain situation. We evolved anxiety and our underlying physiological stress response to protect us from danger, and it's always been critical to our survival. It just becomes a problem when you have too much of it, which, you know, tends to happen during a global pandemic. But hey, one way you can turn anxiety into productivity is by turning your what-ifs into to-dos. See, anxiety evolved to be resolved, typically by running away or fighting, like your fight-or-flight response. So when you make a to-do list and you take action, you help to resolve that feeling. For example, you might have a job interview, and you might think, well, what if they ask me a question and I fumble the answer? Well, you can resolve that anxiety by doing a practice interview with a friend or researching the company you're interviewing with to see what questions they might ask, writing notes so you don't forget any of the things you want to highlight about your experience, take an active role in facing whatever you're anxious about that could make a world of difference. And also, this didn't make it into the episode, but Dr. Suzuki told us that this can even work with anxiety around the pandemic or climate change. You can take steps in your own life to, say, decrease your risk of getting COVID or make changes to live more sustainably. I mean, sure, you can't fix either problem on your own, 
But when you're proactive, it can actually help reduce the anxiety you feel about some of the world's bigger problems. I mean, I've talked on the show about how my family purchases less red meat now because red meat production is not super great for the environment. And like, is that going to save the world? No, but it sure makes us feel a whole lot better. Little stuff like that. And it gives you the perception that you have a little bit of control, which you do. For me, a big anxiety, and for probably a lot of people, a big anxiety, has also been plans getting canceled, right? Because, you know, pandemic stuff. And in these cases, I think just having a backup plan, right? Instead of sitting around worrying about what if this gets canceled, add to your to-do list to have some kind of backup plan. It's not always really easy. You can't always come up with a really great backup plan. And it's not always ideal. But, you know, planning for the future, having something in mind rather than nothing. Ah, who knows? But hey, that's not all we learned from Dr. Suzuki. We also learned that a great way to conquer social anxiety is with a superpower called empathy. Try to recognize your most common form of anxiety. And when you see it in someone else, you can use that as an opportunity to connect with that person. In Dr. Suzuki's book, she writes about how this fits into a relatively new area of neuroscience research that focuses on the science of social intelligence, or SQ. We've talked about this on the podcast before, not to be confused with IQ, because, you know, that's different. And she says that your social anxiety is giving you clues to help you. It's not just there to make you feel bad about yourself. You just have to truly listen to what your anxiety is signaling to you in order to make the most of it. One other quick pro tip about dealing with social anxiety is hi-ho. Remember that social network I talked about? It's the asynchronous social video messaging app. I talked about it on the show like a, a long time ago. I, I used it a lot at the start of the pandemic. And I remember distinctly, it was just such a great way to like keep up with being social and also to fight social anxiety. Because like the way it works is you make a video and you say something and then someone else makes a video reply to you. But like you can reply at any point. You're not put on the spot. It's not like you're at a party having a conversation with somebody and they say something and you have to think of something really witty on the spot, right? Like I would get a message and be like, hmm, what clever thing will I say to this? And then just like do it later. But it kind of took the pressure off of the timing stuff. And yeah, it was just a nice way to like flex your socialization muscles, I guess, especially when, you know, no one's leaving their house. Anyway, I mentioned that because that's a great tool for combating social anxiety. And like, I don't have a lot of social anxiety, but it's still a good app of all the social media apps out there. And I have been using it more lately. And by the way, in case you're feeling anxiety over not getting enough Cody Goff during the week here on Curiosity Daily, then feel free to hop over to HiHo. There's a Curiosity Daily channel over there that I moderate. And I actually just launched a private group called Cody's Curious Clan, where I'm hoping to start some fun conversations with awesome listeners like you and just have a place to like hang out once I've left the show. And I'm going to put a link to join that in today's show notes if you want to chat. But yeah, hi-ho, I'm all about it. And reducing social anxiety. Just everybody wins, wins all around, right? Speaking of winning all around, we also learned that prescriptions sometimes come with warnings not to drink grapefruit juice with the medication because grapefruit juice can cause too much of the drug to enter your bloodstream, which is a scenario in which nobody wins. That's because there's an enzyme that usually breaks down some portion of the drug before it enters your bloodstream. And grapefruit juice can render that enzyme inactive. And the result of that, well, 
Bad results, ranging from extra side effects to serious organ damage, depending on the drug. If the label tells you to avoid grapefruit juice with the drug, I would heed that warning. The writer for today's grapefruit juice story was Cameron Duke. I'm Cody Goff, and I produced and edited today's episode. Curiosity Daily is distributed by Discovery. One thing you don't have to be anxious about is whether you'll have to deal with a Cody-only solo episode again in the near future. There's plenty of Ashley Hamer to be heard on this podcast. So join us again next time to learn something new in just a few minutes. Oh, that's my that's my line now. I have to say that. Wow, I was literally just standing there just waiting for someone else to say this. And until then, stay curious. <laughs>